episode 125, Linking Healthcare Innovation and Organizational Strategy, Easier Said Than Done. Today, I speak with Chris Cornu from Navicent Health. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Here's a pitfall I've seen organizations fall into more than once. Spending a whole lot of money on innovation and having nothing or nothing of value to show for it. Either it's sort of extreme paralysis by analysis situations, or there are actually demonstration projects accomplished, but the results have nothing to do with organizational imperatives or KPIs. In other words, innovation and strategy are two spaceships passing in a skyline of the future with very low visibility. Today, I speak with Chris Cornu, who is the chief strategy officer and the chief innovation officer at Navicent Health. My name is Stacy Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by the Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Chris. Thanks so much, Stacy. It's wonderful to be back. So let's talk about what is new with you, because actually there's a lot new with you. Why did you decide to join the Navicent Health team? It's a wonderful opportunity. And, you know, so far it is the best job. So with Navicent Health, which is a healthcare system in central Georgia, it's a level one trauma healthcare, tertiary care, urban setting. It's a mid-market setting. And they are really well poised to demonstrate the change that can happen across a larger regional area. So Navicent Health is you know, a major hospital as well as a number of smaller hospitals, but then also a lot of the components in the pre-acute, the ambulatory retail setting, as well as the post-acute care space. And what interested me about what Navicent Health is doing is you don't hear a whole lot nationally about the change that's happening in the rural market. Even though Navicent Health is based in Macon, Georgia, many of our partners in the work we end up doing is with rural healthcare providers across central and southern Georgia. So I was really interested in the ability they had to make change happen with improving the health of communities and improving health in general. The other thing that was very attractive about coming to Navicent Health is the visionary leader that's there, the CEO, Dr. Nympha Saunders. And she has such a wonderful vision for the future of healthcare and has really taken this organization over the last four years to the point it is today. And it's exciting to be part of the team. And she asked me to come and help with the strategy as well as the innovation work that I do. And I was just going to say, so you are the chief strategy and chief innovation officer over at Navicent Health, which puts you in kind of a, a catbird seat to affect strategy and innovation, exactly like you said. Correct. The other thing that was exciting about this is the combination with strategy innovation, I think, is one of those core synergies that's going to make the difference for healthcare in the future. You know, strategy, just the way that we've typically done it, you know, in the past, of course, is not going to be what's going to take us in the future, especially with all the changes that are happening in healthcare. But combining it with innovation and a lot of the stuff we've been doing at Navicent Health around this, I think that is the differentiation, is being able to take strategy and then innovate with it and vice versa, being able to look at innovation based upon your strategies. It's a new type of synergy that's important 
for organizations to be relevant in the future. And that's an exciting piece of what we're doing in Navicent Health. You just said, so I'm quoting you just now, you said <laughs> the way that we've done strategy in the past isn't going to work in the future. Is that because it wasn't coupled with innovation or is there were there other things which you felt were issues? It's probably because it's been a fairly rote process with regard to strategy. You understand your market, you develop strategies that are market centric, and then you execute on them. All three of those components, I think, need to be elevated to a different way of doing business, which is where innovation comes in now. So, for example, the execution piece of it, I think it's incumbent upon any organization now to be much more adept at executing and implementing strategies because the time of getting us to where we need to go is much shorter than what it typically was in the past. I think what we've seen is that oftentimes organizations, and I'm not just talking about healthcare, I'm thinking more globally as well, organizations usually end up suffering when it comes to the implementation and the execution part, which is one of the reasons that I think doing this in innovative ways and helping to create a culture of change and execution is incredibly important. And so that's one of the components that I think combination of both strategy and innovation can help to affect that change quickly. Let me just get on one of my soapboxes for a moment, which is with SWOT diagrams. Oh, yeah. Which I constantly... Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, yeah. Exactly. I'm so not a fan. <laughs> and, and But we do them all the time, right? I know, but I think that's an example of what you're talking about, something that is old. Because here's the thing. What is actionable about a SWOT document? Like, how does that help you in any sort of fundamental way plot a strategy to move forward. What you wind up with is this giant thought exercise with a lot of words in each one of those boxes. But then what are you supposed to do? Like scratch your head and stare at it? <laughs> well, and maybe part of it is the trans the transition or the translation of the information that's there into more action. But you're right. It's important for us to know where we are from a present state. But I think more importantly, it's important for us to understand kind of where we're heading from a future state and how we're going to get there. So that's where, you know, scenario planning, which is something that probably organizations have done to a certain extent over time. But I think that now scenario planning is so much more critical and meaningful because if you're looking at your SWOT, so you understand kind of where the opportunities are, you understand kind of how you play in the market, what your internal external dynamics are. But if you play those forward three to five years and say, okay, well, I know that for us to be relevant in what we're doing, we need to be here, then how do those scenarios play out? Because we may not know the exact path that we need to be heading down or all the different variables that may affect that, but we sure are able to go ahead and play those forward and recognize that if we go this particular direction, then this is a possible future path. And there are certain components of that future path that maybe are going to be real no matter which scenario we go down. So that's a different way to be able to look at it. It's leveraging maybe the SWOT analysis, but it's making it a little bit more actionable. It's putting it into play, and it's that future-looking vision, that future forward view that allows you to then to have some sort of recognition of the path you need to go down. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point where I 
often see people get themselves into a bit of a quagmire is when there is no plan for what you do with the SWAT. It's it's kind of like the SWAT is the end of the line and then somehow or another a strategy is supposed to magically appear from the SWAT as opposed to looking at it like a first step, but then the next step might be exactly like you said, scenario planning. I'm actually a big fan of the Roger Martin how to, I mean, I'm going to mess it up. It's like where to play, how to win. But it's kind of what you just articulated in the idea that you kind of have to make intuitive and informed decisions based on what are the possible paths you can choose moving forward. And there's definitely more than one. You know, like I think a lot of a mistake that a lot of people make and, and let me know if you agree with me is that they kind of pick one possible future and there's a thousand. <laughs> I totally agree with you. And it's the understanding of the potential future states that collectively you understand that, okay, we may be going down any of these three to five, six different scenarios. But again, as I mentioned before, we know that in order to get to any of these, there are some consistent things that are on all those paths that we can be doing so that whatever ends up happening, at least we're moving toward all those paths with putting into place certain things that are similar across all of them. And and that's where some of the strategy comes into it. What are some of the things that you think are, you know, givens that are that are going to be common across any of those scenario plans that you might have done lately? <laughs> yeah, or or that I think that probably I would hope anyway that most everybody's thinking about these particular things. But part of it is understanding the different disruptions can be coming at you. So you have to understand any type of disruption that may be changing a market, changing an approach around care delivery, that we need to be responding to it in a particular way. And that's, I think, going to go across any scenario. Along with that, you know, the different types of technology that is going to be used. And, you know, depending on who you talk to, people are, are either going to say, boy, am I tired of hearing all this technology stuff and all this disruption, all this technology around wearables and innovative different technologies such as what AI is going to be or everything else. But the point, though, is that all of this at some point, I believe, will be influencing how we provide care. And that also leads to the consumers. So the consumer piece of it, I think, through any of these potential future scenarios is going to be at play. Because we now in healthcare need to be positioning ourselves and understanding what our value proposition is to consumers because they are making choices that they didn't before, but we now need to be responding to the needs that they have. But first, we have to understand what those needs are. So I think consumerism is another piece that goes across all of those. And there are others as well. But you can see that through each of the potential paths we would end up taking towards a future state or those future scenarios – those are probably often going to be common across all of those. Basically, what you would do is you would come up with, these are the things that we think are given. All right, so given that there's going to be disruption, given that there's going to be technology flying around, what are the likely dis disruptors? What are the likely technologies? What are the likely things that consumers are going to be doing? And then coming up with permutations and variables, and then each one of those permutations is a scenario. Is that how you do it? Or you identify the future scenario that's in play, possibly, and what that may look like. And through that, you end up calling out that, okay, there's probably a consumerism play through each of them. But I think that every organization needs to kind of take a look at what are those guiding objectives or those particular things that they think are going to be common across all the scenarios 
and then make sure that they are aligning their strategies specifically to them. I think consumerism, I think technology, um, population health, which in my organization, I'm trying to purge those two words, population health, and actually have us think about what the outcome of population health really is. Because you ask one person what population health is, you have one definition. Nobody can really articulate it. But if we talk about creating healthy communities, everybody can be aligned around that. People recognize that, yeah, okay, that's what it is we're trying to do. And probably the fourth one is something around the shift from fee-for-service to value. So what's that value play? How can we demonstrate value based upon our ability to increase our quality, decrease our cost, but also to be a much more um, a much more effective organization by eliminating waste and a lot of other things too. So I'm thinking those four things for our organization may be important or for other organizations, but there are others too that any hospital or health system would need to keep in mind as a grounding objective for everything they end up doing with their strategies. And then speaking of objectives, okay, so you come up with here's the future world that we're going to need to make sure that we are adept at playing within and that we're evaluating our strategies kind of against. But then on the other side, you sort of need your organizational goals and organizational imperatives, which also are deceptively simple. Um, you know, you, you think it's easy to come up with them and then you start doing it. And it, it actually is more difficult because you have to kind of come up with the flywheels, you know, like the, the things that really are going to matter, which is certainly, in my experience anyway, easier said than done. What are the things that Navicent under your stewardship as chief of strategy and innovation, what do you think that it's really important and imperative that your organization achieves or that organizations achieve? I think any organization needs to be understanding what their future relevance is going to be and then sustaining it long term. And not to say that over the last several decades that organizations have not necessarily understood their relevance, but they, I think, have had a little bit more latitude with regard to performance, understanding that, you know what, it's a hospital, I'm in a market, I'm the key and the major business driver for our particular market, if you're thinking some rural markets. I don't know if that's going to be able to be enough in the future. So how do organizations and hospitals, whether they be in small rural areas or whether they be in large markets, how are they able to understand what their future relevance is going to be? How are they able to create the right differentiation that sets them apart from their competitors? And then how are they going to sustain that longer term? Because so often I believe that – and what I've seen with hospitals across the country – is that we do particular things and then we slip. We make cost savings where we can take millions of dollars out. And I'm not talking about Navison Health at this point. I'm talking more globally, where we take things out of the system from a cost perspective, whatever, you know, whether it's FTEs, whether it ends up being different processes, but that all comes back in at some point or another. We either hire the people back in or there's other costs that comes in. It just seems to be kind of like a yo-yo. I don't think that we can afford to whatever we take out of the system right now as a healthcare system, you know, dollars or wastage or inefficiencies. I don't believe that we have the flexibility in the future to be able to go back to that cycle where it comes back in and we have to take it out again. So whatever we do right now needs to be sustained longer term. And I think healthcare and other industries, but I think healthcare, we have a hard time of sustaining reductions, sustaining improvements over long periods of time. Um, so I think that's important. 
The other thing that I had mentioned before, and again, part of my other role is tying innovation to all this. And so, you know, you have a lot of systems across the country that are putting into place innovation centers or different ways that they can maximize efficiencies through lean or through continuous improvement, et cetera. You know, for our organization, what we've done and when I came here, one of the first things that we were able to put together is a center for disruption and innovation. And and people may laugh at that title, but it's very deliberate. It's not necessarily disruptive innovation. It is looking at disruption, which is understanding what's coming at us and understanding how we can disrupt particular markets. And the way that we do that is through innovation. So that's the means to the end. And then throughout the CFDI that we have, the Center for Disruption Innovation, we have particular domains that we're focused on. One is how we're doing continuous improvement with a number of black belts, a number of green belts, other ways that we can take waste from the system. And there's a lot of things that I'd love to be able to spend time talking about. We won't have time, but uh, there's a lot of efforts around the continuous improvement to make sure that we have a solid organization that can weather anything that's going to come at us and that we're going to be relevant longer term. Another component is research, understanding that it's important for us to give back out into the industry what we learn, what we trial, what we pilot, and the results of that going back out into a research perspective. And there's a lot of wonderful research that happens across all organizations, but specifically around Navison Health that we've been able to do. We'd love to be able to share that. Another one is horizon scanning. How do we appropriately understand what's coming at us so that we are able to understand a particular market entry, a particular technology that is new and novel? You know, you think about a lot of great things that are out there around the genomics, around the microbiome, around artificial intelligence. How are we going to be responding to that that's coming at us? And in many cases, how do we partner with that so that we can make sure that we are ahead of the game and that we are providing the care we need to in the future. And then naturally, this kind of goes into how do we partner with startups? How are we able to understand that there are others out there that are creating wonderful solutions to many of the problems in healthcare? How can we create that synergy such that we can partner with some great individual companies and smart people to create the solutions that we need to. So across the Center for Disruption and Innovation, you know, led by a brilliant person who I'm so happy was able to join us, Simeon Cecily, who came from GE, and then a great team that we've brought together. I mean, they're doing amazing work. And it's exciting to see all this supporting our organization, but also tying it back to the strategy so that we have that alignment, which is so important for what we do. Yeah, and I think a lot of what you just said certainly resonates with me, but it has a really well-founded basis, which I think is sometimes not, especially in an industry like healthcare with so much path dependence and vested interests. One thing that people often forget is that success is a flat line. You know, mm. they, mm-hmm. they often say people don't like the word disruption because they're like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the problem is there's a lot of companies that went right out of business, not because anything was broken. It's because somebody else comes in and figures out how to do it better. You know, like goodbye Radio Shack, goodbye hardware. (laughs) And and Blockbuster as well. I mean, there's a great screenshot from a conference and I'd love to know the actual source of the conference, but I've used that with talks, which shows the digital disruptions happening. And, you know, the world's biggest transportation company has no cars and that's Uber, right? The world's biggest 
um, hotel chain has no actual physical hotels. It's Airbnb. It's, so it's these folks that have completely figured out a different paradigm to create, which is making sure that they are able to recreate or reinvent a particular industry and then take it in the future. And yeah, you mentioned a few examples, and there are many, many more out there that are great case studies of organizations that did not see the future. Netflix is another one, right? The biggest movie house out there has no physical screens. It's Netflix. And they were able to go forward, whereas Blockbuster faded away. And these are classic examples, of course, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Given the fact that you are in this really interesting position where you're innovating, you know, disrupting and innovating, but then you have to figure out how to build that into strategy amongst individuals within the organization who are, you know, everybody hates change. Like, how do you navigate what comes out, the, the learnings that you're learning and, and the better ways that you're coming up with? How do you get them socialized and back into your organization? You're really touching upon one of the critical pieces of making change happen. And that's hard. It's all about culture. Yeah, we're very lucky to have, again, as I mentioned before, Dr. Saunders with her visionary leadership, and then a very supportive board. And as you know, we know in most healthcare organizations, really the strategy is the purview of the CEO and the board. I work closely with them to help with that. But part of what was exciting about this role when I was asked to join is the ability to translate a lot of that strategy into execution into making it happen quickly. And that's where you get to the culture. The beauty of Navison Health is that there are amazing people throughout the entire organization that are excited and they're ready and they want to move forward and they want to allow this change to happen. The challenge is with everything else that's going on across the organization, and I every day – I'm sensitive to and concerned about, of course, all the different things that every, we're asking everyone to do and everybody has to do from the frontline caregiver to individuals and ancillary support services, folks across the entire care continuum. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. And I think that what we're looking to do through the Center for Disruption Innovation and this culture is to help them understand that and to buy into the fact that the change that we're talking about is actually going to help them in longer term. So by being able to adapt and not adopt, so it's not necessarily taking something which somebody else has done and putting it in, but it's adapting it to what our needs are at Navison Health is a critical way to help us to get to change in the organization. And that's a culture change that takes time. I think that this is years worth of change. But even if incrementally we're able to, through a continuous improvement project, a black powder green project, affect a particular change, people are able to see the success of that and the value that that new way of looking at things is going to affect their longer-term productivity, their ability to take care of patients, their ability for patients to be seeing us as an organization that is understanding their needs. That's where we're incrementally going to get to it. 
You had mentioned continuous improvement a couple of times. I'm getting the feeling that the Center for Disruption and Innovation is part of your continuous improvement process as opposed to kind of a thing unto itself. So maybe like part of your continuous improvement process, because this is generally speaking the start of everyone, is a needs assessment. So you kind of start with the organization. What are your problems? And then you go to the center in order to solve those problems. Is that kind of how it rolls out? Yes, it's the identification in then individual areas. And keep in mind that we have hundreds of green belts and they are in particular areas. So hopefully they're able to identify particular things that need to change, improvements, different process flows, wastage within their own areas that then through trialing it, piloting it in the Center for Disruption Innovation, we can go ahead and have proof of concept. We're allowed to be able to fail recognizing that this is the place to fail, but then when we actually put it into place across the system, you don't fail there, you achieve results. But that's what the CFDI is able to do, is to be that safe place where we're able to pilot, we're able to challenge, we're able to try different things. What is that trial projects or pilots or demonstration projects or whatever you're calling them? What is that look like tangibly? You know, in other words, do you have a little fake EHR system or something um, that you can tinker around with and then you kind of do, uh, this is what would happen in real life and, and, you know, first this would happen, then this would happen, but it's kind of it's obviously not real patients that you're working with. Like, how do you test yeah. this stuff? Is that? I think one area you're talking about is a simulation center. And we have as That's part the of... That's the word I was looking for, simulation. There you go, simulation Thank center, you. yes. So we, we do simulations, not only just as part of continuous improvement, but as part of our education as well. And there is a simulation center that uh, we use to help with training students, training residents, uh, and for them to be able to have that not actual patient experience to help them <laughs> so that when they do actually work with patients... There's a better understanding of a lot of the components and the, the complexness of treating patients. So that is a piece of what we end up doing throughout all of CFDI. So th that's very formal from a place where you actually do that. But there's also even informal things as we go ahead and make sure that we understand how for our strategic business units or the areas across the organization that are looking to achieve particular outcomes, they can go ahead and spend time with the team in the Center for Disruption Innovation and to think through, okay, for this particular key performance indicator or goal, how can we go ahead and make this a reality? Is it through a quick seven-day type of improvement process? Is it a longer type of three to four-month process? But that's where the Center for Disruption Innovation is able to really champion and to help people across the organization, you know, all 6,000 employees plus, to help them think through how they go ahead and, and to do things differently. And again, to your earlier point, through doing this a number of different times, getting people embedded to a certain point with the Center for Disruption and Innovation and the work they're doing, we move the culture, we move the ability to affect more change as we go forward. And something that you just said, I think, is really meaningful. So I just want to call that out. We look at our KPIs and then we figure out what would be an innovative way to achieve it. Although it sounds very simple to say that, I was just in a conversation yesterday where an organization spent literally, it was like $25 million on innovations. All of them failed. And why did uh, all of them fail? Because they were just innovating <laughs> to no yeah. particular end. Right. Well, well and, and this goes back to, I mean, not the KPI 
specific examples, but this goes back to what you want to have in a center for disruption innovation. You want to have a safe environment where it's okay to fail. And and I'm not talking about Navison Health in this point, where I see a lot of other organizations, they establish a culture where it's not okay to fail. And you're never challenging. You're never doing things differently because everybody has to do it to where they get the perfect outcome. They're afraid to fail because failure means that you know I may lose my job. So whatever we can do across the industry or specifically now back to Navison Health, whatever we can do in Navison Health to create a culture where people are allowed to try things, I think that's where we end up getting the end goal of change. And we know that out of 100 ideas, what, maybe two, three may actually end up being successful. But you have to be able to create the environment such that you can try all these different things because those one, two, three, four things that are successful may make significant improvements at your organization and be the difference between your future success. So who knows? Yeah, I I heard someone say recently that the path to success often wanders through this place called failure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I, think, I like that. What are some cool things that have come out of the CFDI that you're particularly excited about at this moment? I mean, I know it's kind of early on, but what are you keen on right now? There are tons of things that we've been doing that are just really neat. One of which I want to highlight is something which happened about two or three weeks ago where we had in the organization a experience, a day session where we brought in high school students and we brought in some uh, university students to work collaboratively together to solve some of healthcare's biggest challenges or for us, some things that we know that our consumers, our patients, our family members would like to have changed. And so we brought them together for what we called um, a hashtag code for care with the number four as opposed to four spelled out. And we had them come together and do some coding and an understanding of, you know, if we are looking to do wayfinding differently, here is something that could help with that from an application. Or there's a great, uh, another example of one of the teams, we had five different teams that came together for this day where they had the ability to think, how do we go ahead and communicate to family members when their loved one is undergoing surgery? Because oftentimes they may be in this void where they don't know what's going on. And how do we go ahead and do that? How do we create different ways for them to remain somewhat engaged? So this was kind of the first step at us bringing together really smart and great students who are thinking differently than we all are in our healthcare industry and are able to give us a different idea or a different approach for doing things. And it was a lot of fun. So that's one great example that happened recently. Well, as uh, occurred the last time that we did an interview, Chris, I am, we're closing this interview and I still have about 10 questions I didn't get to. So maybe, maybe there'll be a... That's what happens when we talk. <laughs> it's been so great having you on the program today, Chris. Well, likewise. Thanks so much for the time and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, You will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is 
automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.